Hi, you're about to get smarter in just a few minutes with Curiosity Daily from Curiosity.com. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you'll learn about how the pursuit of knowledge can sometimes get in the way of other human endeavors with help from Dr. Chanda Prescott-Weinstein. Then you'll learn about how scientists captured the smallest amount of gravity ever recorded. Let's satisfy some curiosity. Science is an important thing, but it's not always the most important thing. Sometimes science gets in the way. And to see that, look no further than the fight going on right now on Mauna Kea, Hawaii's highest peak. Astronomers want to build a 30-meter telescope on the land. Indigenous Hawaiians regard that land as sacred. Our guest today is going to help explain why conflicts like these are not a simple matter of science versus anti-science. In fact, nothing like that. These conflicts ask deep questions about our most vital priorities. Dr. Chanda Prescott-Weinstein is an assistant professor of physics and astronomy and core faculty in women's and gender studies at the University of New Hampshire. She's also the author of the new book, The Disordered Cosmos, A Journey into Dark Matter, Space-Time, and Dreams Deferred. Ashley asked her whether the pursuit of knowledge ever gets in the way of people's pursuit of everything else. So first of all, I'll just say that's like a great summary, that sometimes pursuit of knowledge gets in the way of people's pursuit of everything else. And I think part of the challenge there is understanding that science doesn't happen in a vacuum, right? That science is happening alongside everything else. And so one of the things that I really argue in the book is that science should be for us because at the end of the day, it is, again, a social phenomenon. We're the ones doing science. Why should we be doing science? We should be doing science for us. I think traditionally when, when we hear that framing, we think, oh, so that means like only focus on like medical science. And of course, we've all lived through the last year. And so we actually know how important pharmaceutical medical science is, right? That's unfortunately, and public health has been brought home for us in like this epically tragic way. But we need more than just like basics, like healthcare and food to thrive as a species. Again, we're a storytelling species. We need those stories. Those stories are part of who we are. And we don't just need scientific stories. And so I think when we come back to the questions about Mauna Kea and the 30 meter telescope and the propriety of continuing to build telescopes on land that um, native Hawaiians consider to be unceded colonized territory, there is a real question there of whose stories matter in the end. And the discussion about the 30 meter telescope and whether it's okay to build yet another facility on um, this unceded indigenous land is often framed as science versus religion. And I think that that really kind of misses the point, which is that this is also us right now writing a story of whether indigenous sovereignty matters and whether indigenous sovereignty is just as important as someone's curiosity about the night sky through the lens of professional astronomy. And I guess my experience, what I found really interesting is that when I first started getting involved in the discussions and I started talking to Native Hawaiians who were actively opposing the building of the telescope, astronomers had said a whole set of things to me about like how they don't really care about science. And there was a lot of like us versus them. When I actually went into the groups and started talking to people, people actually had a lot of questions for me about why astronomers were so passionate about the telescope. 
they actually wanted to understand the science. And so they were actually asking me a lot of questions about like, how did the telescopes work? Why is it different from putting one in space? Why is it still ideal to have one on the ground? What are the kinds of things that we can see? And they were actually really interested in the, the astronomical questions. So I didn't see that dichotomy. It was really much more of a discussion of if we're going to go out and get this information under what conditions and whose needs are sacrificed on the altar of science. That sounds like a, a failure of science communication. That definitely, I think that that's part of it. And, and I think the other thing we as scientists kind of deal with is that sometimes people disagree with us about like what's important, right? <laughs> like, and, and this is something we should all be familiar with. Like I just found out, unfortunately timed at 10 p.m. on Saturday night that a big grant I had applied for, I didn't get. <laughs> Which like I have to say 10 p.m. Saturday night is not the time you want to find out about that. But I can't just go and say like the person who didn't give me the grant doesn't believe in science because they didn't give me money for the science that I wanted to do, right? Like sometimes we have different priorities and part of what's happening there is that there's just simply a debate about given the social context of the history of colonialism in Hawaii and the history of cultural oppression, like people not being able to learn their native Hawaiian language in schools and not being taught that their culture was a, a valuable and rich culture is the most important thing right now that now another telescope gets built? Or do we need to have other human political priorities that attend to the cultural and psychosocial needs of a community that has long experienced oppression? To me, that's not a science versus culture thing or, or even necessarily like, I do think it's a science communication failure. I think you're right about that. But we also have to accept that maybe even if we had done all of the science communication that we could do, that people would say, yeah, we totally understand why this sounds like a great project, but we simply can't do that right now. We'll talk more about Mauna Kea at the end of today's episode, but hopefully the idea of whose stories matter can help you think about lots of different issues in a whole new way. Again, that was Dr. Chanda Prescott-Weinstein, an assistant professor of physics and astronomy and core faculty in women's and gender studies at the University of New Hampshire, and the author of the new book, The Disordered Cosmos, A Journey into Dark Matter, Space-Time, and Dreams Deferred. You can find a link to pick it up in today's show notes. A team of Austrian scientists measured the gravitational field of the tiniest object yet, a gold ball just one millimeter across. And as tiny as it is, this is a really big deal. Scientists have been studying gravity for a long time. Like, remember Newton? His theory of gravity in 1687 did an almost perfect job of predicting the motion of the planets. But that theory didn't really hold up for very big things. That's where Einstein stepped in with the theory of general relativity. The predictions of general relativity are only different from Newton's at that extreme end of the scale. But as scientists make more observations of distant galaxies, they find the measurements don't match up with either of these theories. Something else is going on. As a result, gravity is still an area of active research. We know the least about how gravity works on a really small scale. One reason for this is theoretical and the other is practical. We typically think of gravity as a pretty strong force. After all, it's what keeps our feet on the ground, literally. But compared to the other three fundamental forces of nature, gravity is relatively wimpy. It's 29 orders of magnitude weaker than the next in line, 
That's one with 29 zeros. That contrast makes it especially hard to measure. The practical reason is that the Earth is so massive that it affects our experiments. This new experiment used an ingenious way to solve that problem. How'd they do it? Using a torsion balance. Imagine a bar with a ball at each end hanging horizontally from a vertical wire, precisely balanced on each side. The Earth's enormous gravity pulls the wire so it's exactly perpendicular to its gravitational field. That's what cancels out Earth's effect on the experiment. Then, researchers put a test mass, usually another ball, near one of the ends. Gravity attracts the ball and the test mass. We can measure how the bar moves to figure out the gravitational field. These researchers used balls of only 92 milligrams in mass, equal to about 5 grains of rice. That's the smallest mass ever used in this kind of experiment. The observations were important building blocks in our knowledge about gravity. So far, gravity hasn't been reconciled with the three other fundamental forces that govern the behavior of very small particles. So the tiny gold balls the experimenters used? That's a big deal. It meant scientists could study gravity on a really small scale, a scale close to the quantum scale, where the other three forces dominate. So what happened? Well, the results matched up with Newton's predictions. Thanks to this trio of tiny gold balls, we now know that Newton's theory of gravity holds, even at this very small scale. All right, Ashley, let's recap what we learned today. Well, we learned that science doesn't happen in a vacuum. It's a story we choose to tell, but in doing so, we're also making a decision about whose stories matter. And in the case of Mauna Kea, the story is not about science versus religion. It's about whose needs get sacrificed and whether indigenous sovereignty matters. So the Mauna Kea thing is, is something I've actually been following a lot more lately, and I've gotten really interested in it. And I feel like Chanda just nailed what's happening there. And this is a really great lesson in media literacy. And just, I want to briefly touch on that. You know, yesterday she talked about how we as humans, we tell stories. And maybe you've heard about what's happening on Mount Ikea. You've heard different stories told by different news outlets or different organizations, different politicians, different activists. Some people are framing it as science versus religion or science versus tradition. But what Chanda is saying is that there's different ways that we can frame it to prioritize the different things that are happening there. Like you could say furthering astronomical knowledge versus maintaining the traditions of islanders. But what if you open the front page of the newspaper and it talks about predominantly white interests versus the interests of non-white indigenous locals on an island? That's a perfectly valid story. Like that's actually that's a thing that's happening, right? That gets a different reaction. Uh, there's even a narrative you could go further of uh, colonialist conquerors versus native-born inhabitants and their interests. Chanda briefly mentioned colonialism in Hawaii, and we won't get too into it, but it, it is actually the official stance of the U.S. government that we illegally invaded and conquered and annexed the island nation in 1893. So anyway, this is all to say that framing matters a lot. How we tell stories matters. And if you ever see a story that's oversimplified in the news as X versus Y, I encourage you to do some more research about it to learn what stories you're not hearing, what narrative framing is, is not being used, and then think about why. Yeah, I know when we first started talking about this, you, you actually mentioned in the interview that like this is, this is something that's really important to you. 
Yeah, and you can find some links to learn more about Mauna Kea and the protests going on there and the discussion happening in Hawaii in today's show notes. But on a lighter note, literally because it's about gravity, <laughs> scientists measured the gravitational field of the tiniest object ever. It was a gold ball just a millimeter across, and it showed us that Newton's theory of gravity holds up even at a super small scale. You know what, Ashley? These exciting results definitely didn't let researchers down. They, I mean, they did, they did a, a little bit because it, it did it did have some gravity. There's, there was some gravity there, Cody. Interesting. <laughs> Today's last story was written by Brianna Brownell, who has her first story on Curiosity Daily. Yay! Yes, welcome. Our managing editor is Ashley Hamer, who is also an audio editor on today's episode. Our producer and lead audio editor is Cody Goff. Join us again tomorrow and we'll help you understand the gravity of the situation so you can learn something new in just a few minutes. And until then, stay curious. 